It's a gospel on the radio talk show. A show about dreams and visions and a church that is indeed triumphant, alive, and well. For the church, triumphant is alive and well. Hello, Tallahassee. This is the Gospel on the Radio talk show. I am Pastor Jack. King, I am your host, and as always, just excited to spend a little time with you on a Sunday morning here on WTSM 97.9, your sports monster, where on Sunday mornings from 6 to 7, we talk about dreams and visions at a church triumphant, alive and well. We talk about God's glorious church. This is show number 1020 today. We do have a few rules. We don't talk sports, politics, or doctrine, but we do always Speak well of one another, and that seems to be working out pretty well. Today, I have in the studio with me Kevin Warren, and uh, the name of the ministry that he is involved in is that We Are All You Need. Yes, we are. Right? We are all we need. We are all we need, and uh, the program of care is the village. The village, yes, all right, sir. Now you can explain all that to us. I will. Okay, I promise. But tell us about it. So the village. So we're all we need incorporated is a 501c3 nonprofit. Um, it's the state of Florida, 501c3 nonprofit. Uh, we're actually local in Tallahassee where our headquarters are. Um, and the village of care is exactly what it sounds like in the name. We believe um, that it takes a village to raise a family, a village to raise a community. And we believe that we got away from that as a society. And so we were really focused on our ministry of putting villages back into communities um, to be able to protect families, youth, um, and those who really need it. You know, when you're, you're referring to a, a family as a village, is, so, is, did I say that right? Well, we refer to villagers, okay. right? Families are villagers. Okay. But the village itself, um, it includes the businesses, it includes the families, it includes the organizations, the schools, okay. it includes everybody. Okay, so basically, in a community, what it takes for everybody to be able to live their daily lives. We, we need grocery stores. We need pharmacies. We need whatever it is you, you need. People who sell automobiles, people who uh, have the gas for you. Am I getting the concept here? Yeah, and okay. what from, a, from our perspective, you have that, and that's our economy. Okay. But then you have, who do you go to when you need someone uh, to talk to? Okay. Who do you go to if um, you have no idea, your family doesn't believe in therapy, right? It's one of those things that's taboo to talk about, mental health. Who do you go to? Right. 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 Someone in your village. Okay. Right. And and that's what we look to provide. We look to fill in the gaps. So it's that people are, that you have relationships with, that's uh, exactly people right. that you've learned to trust. Uh, so it, can, it doesn't always have to be. Now you are an. Uh, can I use the word agency? Is that is, that's exactly okay. right. Correct. You are an agency who's providing a service. Right. But it could also be the the hairdresser. That it's, <laughs> the hairdresser is a part of us. Right. Yeah, so what yeah. we look at is normalcy. Right. We believe it's the village has one thing that con- connects the village is purpose uh-huh. and belief. Okay. Right. Um, so our purpose is believing that. Humanity is all connected. Okay. That all of us have different right, gifts, right. talents, and skill sets that we should share. And so we bring in. So the hairdresser says, you know what? I believe that our community needs to be connected. Right. So you know what? We will allow young people in to mentor. We will allow young people in. How it used to be, you can go and sweep up the hair, right? And that was the young kid who come in after school to sweep up the hair and he might get a couple dollars or he might not. We're putting that back into right. place. Well, you're taking that from a different perspective than I was thinking because my daughter just happens to be a hairdresser and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, she she does more counseling and ministry oh, yeah. than I do as a pastor. Oh yeah. And now uh, she wouldn't necessarily call it counseling, but when people are sitting there and she's cutting their hair, they just seem to want to just tell her their problems. And, and let me and, tell you, Pastor, that's what she she is counseling. She's sure ministering. She she's yeah. therapy. Yeah. And truth be told, that person trusts her more and is more honest with her than they likely would be if they paid a therapist. Well, that's probably true. Right. (laughs) And so it's sometimes you can get a good piece of wisdom and advice from that hairdresser. Because their guard's down. 
because if, if, if they go to a professional counselor, then they're going to say, well, what's what's going to be the end result of this? But when they're just talking to the hairdresser, they're just talking. They're just and talking. they're just sharing what's what's on their mind and maybe some problems along the way. And the hairdresser is generally listening and they may give a few words of wisdom. But a lot of times it's just somebody to talk to. That's it. And imagine if you imagine empowering the hairdresser to say, hey, we're offering these these workshops and these skills because we do know that you have these conversations. Right. So if you do want to learn maybe how to deal with them in a different way, it's absolutely free. Come for these workshops, come and learn. And so now we're empowering the village okay. to be able to support the villager. Okay. Right. And be able. So if if that hairdresser, it gets a little too much. You know, what? listen, we're part of this village organization and we got a great relationship with this guy named Kevin. Right. right. And so if I, you don't mind, listen, they help out. They, you know, if we can yeah. give for that information, we will. Oh, please. They, and that's how we stay connected. OK. So now the village, as I'm using the right term. The village, right? yes, sir. It's a it's a real place. It's a real place. That, yes, a, that a person could go to. It's yes, here sir. in Tallahassee. Yes, sir. Yes. Sir. Is this a secret location? Or? Three, 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 three. West Pensacola Street. Okay. Right? So we're located on the Disc Village campus, right across from Tallahassee Community the College. Disc Village campus. Now, mm-hmm. I'm trying to place it now. You, West Pensacola Street, right? Mm-hmm. And you say you're across from the uh, Goodwill. So let's say, nope. So let's say I'm at the Goodwill and I'm going towards TCC on okay. Pensacola Street. Okay. Right? Once I get to Apple Yard, the light right. on Apple Yard. So TCC, Wendy's is to my right. TCC is caddy on my front, you know, in front of the light, going through the light. On the right-hand side, yeah. As soon as I go through the light, my office is right there on the left. First okay, thing on the okay. Left. I had so you in a totally different light. location. Mm-hmm. Because when you say Disc Village, that is a place that sells CDs? Nope. So, yeah. Disc, is, they're an acronym, too. Okay. Right? So, Disc Village, they do uh, substance, substance abuse um, and drug courts. Oh, see, I had that totally wrong. Yep, but you, know, you know what I was thinking about? And I was confusing with. It used to be right by, across from the gas station on White Drive. There was a place. I know called, exactly where uh, you're about. it was. Vinyl, the vinyl store, and that's still there. It's still there. That's okay. still there. See, yeah. that's what I'm thinking of. That's okay, so this has nothing to do with that. We're right down the road <laughs> okay. from there, though. Disc Village. Disc Village. They're they're a provider partner for us, and they do uh, substance abuse. They do drug court. Um, okay. And, and a lot of times, when you're juvenile, when the young person gets arrested, they go to what we call here in Tallahassee the Jack, the Juvenile Assessment Center. Okay. That's on the same campus. Okay. So at the village, what are you doing? So at the village, it's a drop-in center. It's a resource center uh, in which we have uh, tutoring. We have it's a one-stop shop for mental health resources, uh, community resources. Uh, we we often do um, video game tournaments for youth. Okay. Um, so it's it's kind of our place, and we call it an incubator, right? Okay. So we we allow uh, the local community organizations that um, support Promise Zone youth. We allow them to use our space at no charge. Okay. So if they have an event and they want to do, let's say there's a small organization that may have 15 to 20 youth that they serve and they want to do a step practice, we'll allow them to do their step practice at our facility. It's a safe facility and a safe space at no charge to try to support the community activities and the, the village activities. Okay, you guys tell me what a step practice is. So Omega Lamplighters, that's one of our village providers. They are in the state of Florida the number one uh, step team in the state of Florida. And that's like, you know, how you have a fraternity and they do the with their hands. They make the beat with their hands and their feet and the rhythmic beats and sounds with their hands and their feet. OK, so they they'll practice that. So it's music mm-hmm. and it's kind of dancing mm-hmm. in a way. OK, yeah. Right. Yep. So they'll do that's dancing. great. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's yeah. just a great. It's a, yeah. it's a place that we look to put inside of underserved communities okay. that our only purpose is to help that community. So now I'm trying to get a mental picture of this uh, facility. Mm-hmm. It's pretty good size. Yep. So it's a little over 2,000 square feet. Okay. And we have um, we have a main room, uh, which is kind of our event room, that will seat comfortably 50. Um, it'll seat 50, and that's kind of where they'll do things. That We have another conference room that'll hold about 30 to 40. Okay. Um, and then we have a big game room where we have all the new systems. We have the Xbox, um, 
Series X for the kids, the PS5 for the kids. We actually just uh, invested into virtual reality so they get to do the Oculus Go. And so they have this huge game room. Uh, we actually have a, a podcast studio inside okay. so the kids are encouraged to uh, be creative, right, and express themselves and, and, and to work through their trauma um, into the podcast. Um, and we also have a music room. Okay. So we, we do... Um, Twice a week, we come in and we have vo- vocal lessons, um, and they do uh, piano and drum lessons. Now, you've, you've mentioned uh, several times youth. So, is this more geared toward young people? Youth and young adults. So, our age group that we currently serve, that we're contracted to serve this year um, here in Leon County, is ages 13 to 23. Okay. So, we serve... Um, Anywhere eighth grade up until you know right out of college that that age. Right now you mentioned the term drop. We're a drop off facility. So who's uh, dropping them off? So a lot drop in centers kind of drop just in. The term. Okay, so drop they in. Just, um, a lot of the times it'll be it's a new term for unsche- unscheduled visits, okay. right? So um, sometimes it's not really a drop off. It's a drop in. Sometimes they'll just come in. It's if you don't know where to go, you don't have to call. You don't have okay. to schedule an okay. appointment. You can literally drop in and get service. Okay. Somebody so so I, I, I'm imagining in my mind, you've got a parent, they're having issues with their children, mm-hmm. don't know what to do about it. Mm-hmm. Heard about this place called The Village. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give this a try. Mm-hmm. So they, they get in the car and they say, come on, get in the car. And they drive out. And they if they meet you or somebody on your yep. team, mm-hmm. and said, "Look, I don't know how to, I don't know how to deal with my child here," yep. and then you take it from there. So, what would you do? So, what happens is they'll meet our intake specialist, which is a friendly face, a caring adult, um, and they will actually go through what we call a Celtic assessment, a social emotional learning uh, rooted in trauma informed care. Um, it's just an assessment, and it's a very casual conversation. Right. They'll have a very casual conversation. Uh, likely we'll split parents up. We'll take the kid, the young adult um, to one space. And then a parent will actually talk to myself or one of our life coaches. Um, and we'll kind of separate them to uh, just to kind of get and build relationship individually. Okay. And so that assessment that is being done, um, which, again, it's really informal. It's no one sitting there writing in your face. Right. It's through conversation. And it's a it's a term called motivational interviewing that we use. Um, and through that, we develop what's called an ILP, an individual life plan. And so we go through this this assessment, which we understand your need from a social perspective, from a financial capital perspective, from a cultural perspective and from an environmental perspective. So we are able to assess what do you need more first? Do you need um, financial support first? Do you need academic or social support first? Do you need to move and get a different environment first? So in that our intake specialist then looks at all of our providers that are a part of our village and collectively they work with that client to develop a plan. What would you like to do? Maybe um, this young person expressed that they have a lot of anger, right? And they, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just mad, you know, and they may have gotten suspended for fighting, right? So we may suggest, we may ask, well, have you thought about boxing? Okay. Okay. Right? Well, you know, maybe I can't afford it, right? Or my mom, they never put me in it. Well, okay. They're part of our village. So we would be able to add boxing to that life plan, right? So okay. we're going to st- enroll okay. you into boxing. Uh, we're also, you may struggle with academics. We may need to get you a tutor. Um, and, and mom, right? Mom may be really stressed out. We may notice hypertension, anxiety with mom. Um, and so we're also going to put mom into a parent support group, okay. right? So now they came in super stressed, end of the road, end of the whip, and they're leaving with an actual plan. So next week, you're going to start boxing at, on Thursday, right? You can start your tutor. <laughs> so now we have an actual plan. They're a part of a village. Mom, call us. You have your coach here, your parent support group. We connected you. So now nobody's alone, right? Now we have a plan. Well, it, it, it all sounds amazing. But, I mean, it, and, and it works. I mean, it works. All, all, I mean, every time. You know, nothing is an every time thing, Pastor. <laughs> well, I'm just, but I'm no, a realist. Here, here's what, here's what happens. This is our, this is our first year okay. of implementing it all together. Okay. Over the last five years, I've done a lot of these things individually throughout the state of Florida. So we, with working with foster youth around the state of Florida, working with Department of Juvenile Justice, um, and then also working with parents. Okay. So we worked with them individually. I, I worked with foster and adoptive parents, right, across the okay. state. Okay. 
So it works, but we're still working it out. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Here's the key, Kevin. Uh, actually, I'm, I'm a realist, and, I'm, Same, I, and yeah. I've lived a few years. Mm-hmm, <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I've just found in life that everything has its challenges. Oh, when, and this and, is uh, one. And, and when you're, you're dealing with people, Human beings. There you go. Humans. But but the, yes. the concept sounds wonderful. I mean, I'm saying, man, if that works like that, man, that's that's incredible. Yeah. But then again, uh, you never want to uh, discount the availability of somebody to just really make a mess out of something. Yeah. Not you all. I'm yeah. talking about the people you're dealing with. Yeah. They'll take a lot of times what you are offered and they'll just totally well, and misuse you know, it, abuse it, or whatever. <laughs> and not only just that, but you can go back and say us and some of our village providers because the truth is and if we can and and I know we are always honest inside when I started doing human service work and you know me you gave me my first interview right inside of human service work when I started I didn't understand how competitive it was and how just not friendly Competitive in, I guess who? Each other. Talk about so agencies. The agencies and the providers. Ah, they were. No. Uh, it, it was. It's cutthroat. Really. We all want to help, uh-huh. but nobody want to help each other, uh-huh. right? And it's so competitive. And what I that learned, sounds like life to it, me. And I'll tell you what I learned <laughs> is that what I learned is that w- my biggest challenge is not the families that we serve, but it's keeping the providers with the village mentality Uh that even if everybody wanted your program, you couldn't serve them all. Uh Right. So none of us can serve all of us. It takes all of us to reach out. But that mentality has been so not the norm Uh that it's so difficult. When one person gets the interview, it's why didn't I get a news interview or, oh my goodness. (laughs) But now when you uh, had these different, uh, team members that this is a part of your unit some of them they're already in existence yes you're just partnering that's it with bridging them. the gaps and so do you have the option yourself you can say look i want to use this ministry i don't want to use this ministry because i've not had good results over here i've had good results do you have that option yeah and we don't try to do it that way so okay. we created a it's a it's kind of a, a a rubric right so we have all of our providers must be trauma informed okay so a lot of provide a lot of uh, providers. That's a newer wave with including that into your curriculum, making sure it's trauma informed, making sure your policies and procedures are trauma informed, and so that's one way that we are able to weed out a lot of organizations that want to just do it their way. Is you know if you're if you're not trauma informed, if you're not willing to serve this level of youth, this level of need, then we can't right. really partner. But there could also be at times. Mm-hmm. When these people come into your ministry there and you assess them, they, say, they, they don't really need this long care thing. There, there's, there's issues going on today. We can probably help them resolve it, send them home and, and uh, maybe do some follow up. That's I mean, exactly right. Uh, there's, a, there's a place uh, uh, over near Lake Bradford Road. There's a state agency called uh, Someplace Else. Are you familiar mm-hmm. with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, and I've known some, some of their ministry. And their job is to diffuse. It, it may only be weak. In other words, they can stay there. Do, do, can people stay where you are? No, so no. we do not so, have residents. Okay, so the ministry is different. At this place, they can come and stay. Okay. And they may be there for a week. Right. But it gives a time for the families to cool down, yeah. uh, kind of recollect themselves and move on. Move on. A and, transition. And, and, kind of like of course, transition. I'm, I'm sure that many times that there's that's not the end of it mm-hmm. because if there's issues, they have to be resolved. Mm-hmm. So you are, are and that's really what you're trying to do. You're trying to figure out, okay, what's going on here? How can we help? The, how can we resolve this? Not just diffuse it, but actually help it. So our, yeah. we, we're contracted. Our, our, we work with DJ, our DCF. Okay. And our goal is prevention. Okay. Right. True prevention. Right now, let's go to our analogy of that mother or that grandmother. A lot of times it's that grandmother that she doesn't know what to do, but that young person is maybe acting out, maybe a bit violent, right? Uh, angry. And so they call. They call a, these programs. They may call the sheriff's department and they say, I just need help. Right. Right now or before our program was in existence. Um, 
the questions that that grandmother would be asked was has that has they been have they been arrested uh-huh. or baker acted and if they said no there wasn't many options available because they hadn't been arrested yet so therefore that means they didn't qualify they don't have you know these programs are for kids that are arrested to be free or they are baker acted meaning they have a mental health need that now forces the state to pay for them if those two things didn't happen then oh well there should be some programs that should be able to help uh-huh, them. Uh-huh. and now they now it's back on them right. to figure it all out but you're the own. link We're, you're the link we try to help we try to yeah. be that link in other yes. words, because you, you've talked about uh, funding, mm-hmm. so you're working with the state of Florida. Yes. Okay. Now, are you the founder? I think you said you were. You you founded yes. this this agency. Yes. Or, or it's not, no, agency is not the right word. It this is ministry. an agency organization. Okay. Ministry. All right. We, covert ministry. So, so you, Kevin Warren, yes. who was working in different areas for the state in this whole area of uh, just dealing with people. Human services. Human services. Human services. Okay. Yes. Out of that, you've seen this need, yes, and you've developed this because you've seen you've seen this has been here's a there's a there's a hole here Absolutely. that's not being filled, yes. and you saw a way mm-hmm. to be able to accomplish that. Absolutely, and my assessment is pretty good. One hundred. Well, and <laughs> I don't want to take any credit because true story, all glorious to God. Because I I came on here, I was a speaker, a motivational speaker, and an author. Okay, and through that, through speaking. Right, going to these different cities to speak for DCF, and I began to see these needs. God revealed this whole plan, the village concept. He revealed this whole thing. Okay. If you would have asked me three years ago, would I be running a human service agency? Okay, I would say no. And another thing you've just told us, which would probably people listening to this show has probably already figured it out, but you are a believer, one hundred percent. I mean, you believe in God, you believe in Jesus Christ as your yes. Lord and Savior, absolutely, all that sort of thing, and you don't you don't shy away from no, that no, in your ministry. No, not okay? at all. Yeah, not at all. And that's important to, yeah. for people to know that, yeah. uh, because uh, again, this may affect people's decisions to come to you one and way I'm or happy the other. About that, yeah. and, I, and let me be, let me be very transparent. There's a lot of organizations that are not standing on what they believe in. And that's okay because I understand the brand. That's not this one. This is not this is not for money for me. This is not the sole way that I feed my children. This for me is order and uh-huh. principle. This is this is intention. This is putting back a order of God back into our society. And I just feel like that's necessary. Right, right. Now backing up here mm-hmm. let's get to know kevin a little bit yeah. here okay um you where, where are you from saginaw michigan michigan i'm telling you i i'm a what they would call me a snowbird but i really did come down here early in life i okay. knew i wanted to get away from the snow so i'm from saginaw michigan okay and how how were you when you came to florida 18 i i well 17 i graduated true story the day of my graduation my flight left at six o'clock that night I had to drive two and a half hours to get to the airport. My graduation started at two o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> so I literally walked across the stage and walked out and caught my flight to Florida. What, what, part, of, what part of Florida? Tallahassee. You so came to Tallahassee. Right to Tallahassee. Why did you choose Tallahassee? FAMU. I had a full ride academic scholarship okay. as a biology pre-med major to okay. the university, to FAMU University. And, and why did you choose FAMU? Because of the scholarship? or Yeah, the scholarship was a part of it. Um, and if I'm all the way part of it, I was a sheltered kid to an extent. And so when I got down here, I think I came on Greek week and I just saw partying and was like, yeah, <laughs> this is where I want to be. And I came here and um, I lasted a year. I had a full ride scholarship and um that whole party scene took me for Uh-oh. a long ride. Uh-oh. It took me for a ride. Drugs, alcohol, addiction gripped me. And within that year, I lost my scholarship and found myself back in Michigan the very next year. So, so now, this was not a part of your life before you came here? Uh, ministry. No, it, talk about the drugs and the alcohol and all no, that. No, no, I was an athlete. Uh-huh. So I was actually recruited. I was, I was recruited by Florida State to play sports. Okay. Um, what sports? Basketball. Basketball. Yeah, so I was okay. recruited to play basketball, um, but they offered me a partial scholarship. And family offered me a full ride academic scholarship, and so my okay. family, where we were at, we just it just made sense to take the full ride. Um, and so, so, so 
you were a good student. I was great. I graduated fourth in my class, National Honor Society okay. Vice President. So to make sure I got this right, you you had a choice between an academic scholarship or basketball. Yes. And where was the basketball going to be? FSU. Oh, FSU. Yeah, FSU. And you chose to follow academics at FAMU rather than play basketball for Florida State. Well, it was a financial decision because Florida yeah. State, their scholarship wasn't until sophomore. Like I had, it was a partial scholarship, so right. it wasn't full. And, and this was a pre Leonard Hamilton. Yeah. <laughs> they they, I, they weren't good like they, they are now. You know, <laughs> I didn't have the security <laughs> of where they are now. It wasn't a final four okay, in the future. Okay, so, okay was, so, so we're getting to know you here. Yeah. So, so, was, so you came to, Flo- to Florida A&M, got mm-hmm. caught up in the, the party uh, scene, yeah. messed up, messed you up. Messed for a me while. up. Well, messed me up, it did, but come to find all things work together. Right. All things. That was the foundation of why I can now support the youth how we support them i've been there okay that's right. that's, that's good i, I mean that's, that's, that's good to say that yeah. yeah yeah so you went back to michigan yeah. what happened there oh a lot so i went back to michigan um and i stayed there i got to michigan and i started getting into some things that i shouldn't have gotten into uh-huh. um and i stayed in michigan i think i got back to michigan it was around the beginning of summer so i had to be like a june and I ended up, I get a, I got a job uh, right when I got there. I was the groundskeeper for our apartment complex. Okay. And so I remember, <laughs> like yesterday, I would sweep the curbs with a broom outside. Okay. Right? I would, they asked me to go on top of these apartment co- and blow the gutters. And I was afraid of heights. Right? <laughs> and thinking, and all this time I could be I back could be in at Tallahassee uh, studying. <laughs> Literally thought that, Pastor. And so it comes down to my mom. So I was actually in a bad way, uh-huh. a really bad way, hanging out with some people. And they weren't bad people. We, we all just decided to do some bad things. Okay. And my mother, she came downstairs one night Right before the day, the next day, I was going to do some really stupid things, right? And she came downstairs one night with a plane ticket, a one-way plane ticket. And she said, you're going back to Florida tomorrow. Really? (laughs) She said, you're going back to Florida. She said, you're going, I see some things, you're going, this is not it. I'm going to be fine. You're going back to Florida tomorrow. She put me on that plane and I was going to do some really stupid, stupid, (laughs) stupid things that next day. She put me on that plane and I got back to Florida and I was homeless. Really? I didn't have a place to go. So I actually, uh, my wife now, girlfriend then, lied to her parents. She's in Tallahassee, lied to her parents and drove to Orlando to pick me up. From Tallahassee to Orlando to pick me up. And I got back and now I'm staying at friends on their couches. Uh, and, you know, some things happened over the next few months which allowed me to go get a car, get my car back from Michigan and drove it back. And then I lived in my car for about a month and a half. Um, and this is when I met Josh. Okay, which is my son. Your son, right? right. right? And so this is when I met Josh. Um, and then he introduced me to God. How about that? Right? <laughs> he, he asked me a question. He said, so what do you think about God? And at that point, I was super angry. Uh-huh. I, there was no real God for me, right? I've where I'm from. I was witnessing a lot of violence and things early. Just, it just poverty. Just, it just that wasn't a thing, right? If it was a God, tell him to come talk to me because I need and bring some money with them, right? So that was kind of my my take. But Josh, he presented God to me in a way like no one ever had before. In a way that it was completely on me. Uh-huh. It was not pushed at me. It was not. I remember I came back because I, I ended up staying crashing with Josh for some time in this homeless time. And I came back and I was pretty. I was, I'm not going to say I was drunk, but I've been drinking. Uh-huh. And Josh wasn't about that. At this time, Josh was like in his super, super like he was youth pastor. It was He was real straight edge. And he just talked to me that night. And it was not judgmental. He asked me how I felt. I didn't feel good. He was like, probably not. You put poison in your body. You know what I mean? <laughs> it was, and, and so from that moment on, he allowed me to ask these questions uh-huh. to foster a relationship with wow. God, a real relationship with God. Um, and so I say all that to say, 
Uh, we fast forward to me um, having my meeting my wife girlfriend and uh, getting pregnant. So yeah. we actually got pregnant while I was kind of in this limbo. Uh-huh. Um, and Josh helped me out through that. You know, he was there for a lot. I'll tell you. <laughs> and so we talked. He taught me through that. But longer story short, um, when I saw my child, uh-huh. I understood everything about submission and uh-huh. like just needing to have a father figure and understanding God is that. And so at that moment, I really did submit my life um, truly to um, whatever God's will was for me. Wow. And I remember saying that because I was so nervous to be a dad at 19, at 20, I was thinking I was 19, 19 or 20, that I was so scared. And I said, I don't even know what I want to do, God, but whatever you want me to do, (laughs) I'm okay with that. Praise the Lord. And here we are. Wow. Here we are. Well, here's the thing is that all of that has set you up to understand when these young people come through those doors and they're angry, they're frustrated, they don't know where to go, you can begin to give them some insight. Because if you're like I am, and I've worked with young people for a long time, oh, it just breaks my heart. It just breaks my heart. You can see where they're going. You can see the direction. I mean, how many young men have I had standing in front of me? said, look, if you don't change what you're doing, you're going to jail. And I get the letters from jail. And I get the letter in the mail, and I go, boy, if only I could have communicated this better Mm -hmm. 10 years ago or five years ago. That, that I would be getting this letter from this young man in jail. Yep. And then that's some of the good things that's happened mm-hmm. <laughs> because some of them that I've known, the things that they've done has been terrible. Terrible. And, and you say, why can't they not see? But at least I was there for them to talk to. Mm-hmm. A lot of them don't have no place to go. That's it. And, they'll have a, and, and they don't, let, let's say this, they go to somebody who does not know how to communicate with them when you it, it's when you in the environments that we serve who do you go to for healing when everybody still is hurt yeah yeah and to think about it there's there's a certain uh skill one of the things that a little earlier when you were talking about when they're coming in Something came to my mind because you, you you begin to evaluate. From the moment they walk in the door, you're beginning to evaluate. Mm-hmm. And something that uh, I was taught in Bible college, and I've used this, I mean, more times than I can think of. I mean, uh, it's a little acronym. In other words, if the situation, first thing you want to do is put a Band-Aid on it. Mm-hmm. And the acronym is AID, Analyze Inventory Direction. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there have been so many situations in my life, uh, both professionally and personally, that that's the first thing that comes to my mind. Analyze inventory direction. What are we going to do here? Yep. <laughs> and what what's the situation look like? What do we got to do? I mean, what are the, what are our resources? Yep. And then let's do it. <laughs> that's and that's yeah. the model. Yeah, that's yeah, the and model. that's what you that's what exactly what you described mm-hmm. to us earlier mm-hmm. when you as they walk in the door. Mm-hmm. How are we going to be able to help this young person mm-hmm. through and and begin to the process. That really you came to, as, when, as you said, when you met, met my son, mm-hmm. somebody began to help you walk through the process of your own uh, beginning to assimilate everything yeah. and and somehow or another helped me to make all this stuff make sense. Yeah. The science says, and, and around adverse childhood experiences, and you know, working with the youth and trauma, one caring adult, that's what the science says, one caring adult can be the difference of success wow in their life that's one caring adult that's amazing and science has spoken to that yeah and that relationship and and here's the here's the part that blew my mind about that you know you what's the 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 um the egg will hatch and then the first person the 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 chiclet that says hey are you my mom Uh right and it grows that attachment it's not that way with human beings Okay. We think that with children that it's oh it's supposed to be your mom or it's supposed to be that person that it's love. And it's not. A lot of the times it can that one caring adult becomes the coach. Uh-huh. Is the teacher. Oh yeah, yeah. Is that yeah. other person right. Right. that they're able because that bond is established with that, that judgment free zone. Right. right. And that 
That's where it can happen. So we always encourage folks. I have four children of my own. All of my children have a mentor. All of them have somebody else to go and talk to because that other caring adult may not be you. Yeah. And we can't be that selfish. And a lot of so. times it's something to where they would have something in common with. And, of course, uh, I remember going up to a uh, uh, an event that was taking place up in Georgia in a small little community at the high school. And uh, when the event was over, uh, several of us were just standing around there in the middle of the gymnasium is where the thing had taken place, just talking. They said that and, and some of the people that were standing there were the football coaches. Mm. And they said, well, to a lot of these young men, we're, we're their father. Because some of them don't have anybody else in their life. I remember interviewing Bobby Bowden on this on this show, and we, and uh, I, I, when I called Coach Bowden to, to have him be a guest on the show, I said, "Well, we're not going to talk about football." He says, well, "No, we don't, we don't. Let's talk about God." That's mm-hmm. it. And here to him, mm-hmm. here he is. I mean, a successful coach won two national championships. He tell, he says, "We're father figures to a lot of these young boys that come through our program." And that's on a college level. You can imagine what it's like in in uh, junior high and yeah. in, in high school, where if there's somebody who cares, and that's where you use a caring, caring adult. adult. Wow, that is that is adult. awesome. Kevin Warren is the gentleman you've been listening to besides me, <laughs> and uh, uh, this has been good. I've enjoyed uh, yeah, picking your heart here. Um, Kevin has a heart for young people. And of course, anybody that has a heart for young people, they're going to be friends of mine because <laughs> I, I love love young people so much. And before I go to the song, let me remind you, I do a youth camp. I've been doing youth camps for years. And uh, this is called Christian Youth Ministries International. Our youth camp is July 19th through 23. And I'm looking for young people to be a part of it. And so if you have a young person, you're interested in sending them a camp, Call me, 567-1703. And as you know, Pastor King also loves Southern Gospel music. This is the Perry's. It's called Gentle Shepherd. There is That's the Perry's here on the Gospel on the Radio Talk Show. A little Southern Gospel music to get us going here on a Sunday morning before we go to church. And uh, and I always want to tell folks that if you don't have a church you attend, I, I just happen to be a pastor. I'd love to have you come and worship with us at Freedom Road Christian Ministry. We're in a storefront on Capitol Circle, 720 Capitol Circle Northeast. Uh, look for us right across from the federal prison. If you're between Easterwood Drive and Park Avenue, as you head toward Park Avenue, look for our sign there. 1105 is when we start, and we love visitors, and uh, we're just uh, kind of getting our children's ministry going again, so if you have small children, bring them. we got a place for them now, and uh, like I said, we love the Lord. We really do, and we love having visitors. Also, if you're like me and you like Southern Gospel music, I invite you to join me every Saturday night. Uh, from 7 to 8 on 94.1 on your radio dial, a full hour of great Southern gospel music. It's a Saturday night gospel sing with me, Pastor Jack King. And I did that intentionally. That, that rhymes, doesn't it? <laughs> and also, you can join me Monday through Friday on that same station at 11 o'clock for the daily broadcast, a gospel on the radio broadcast. And uh, if you're looking for this show on the podcast, it's 1,020. You may want to listen to it again. It'll be on the podcast next week. And uh, you can tune in to all that. You'll get everything but the song. And that's why we can't put the Saturday Night Gospel Sing on the podcast because of all the music rights. Also, Robin Fiesmeyer, AAA Heating and Air. He's been helping me do this show since we started way back in 2002. He does Heating and Air. And he's good at it. And if you need some help, now it's getting hot. You don't want a hot house. So call Robin, 893-9566. Kevin Warren is my guest here today. Second time. That's it. I tell you what, I like having folks back. Second time. (laughs) And it's called We Are All You Need. We Are All We Need. We Need. Yes, sir. And uh, it's called The Village. Yes, sir. And... uh, just been listening to you, and I, I think about it during the break. I said, you know, I may have just really messed you up when, when, you, when you first started, and you were talking about all these different ministries. And I'm listening to this. I said, and it's just me because I've lived a lot of life. Nothing works that well. 
and I just I think I just blew everything up here. I, I, no, that's I, a great thing you did. I, I, I don't but, mean to give people the wrong impression. No, I need I need that's a good thing because we're so transparent, right? And it, sure. it's important yeah. that people know that human service is not a fixed game. It's not a fixed process. It's a human process. Right. So it's not a hundred percent. I'm real faulty when you yeah. see programs that say, "Oh, we're a hundred percent effective." We oh, we have zero percent. I'm like, wait a minute, right. that doesn't work right. Right. So, but yeah. the thing about it is, the heart is there, and that's the important thing that people need to take away from this. Is Kevin's heart? He he's shared some of his story with us, and he he made mistakes. Hey, who hasn't? Yeah. <laughs> but look, God's brought him back on track, and yeah. he now he sees. Man, you, you, I mean, I'm, I'm like you, you like I am. I can see it. <laughs> you know, the kids walking down the street. And I say, man, I know where that kid's going, I, and I, I can read. It's like I can read his mind. You can because I've lived it. Now I've, I, I've been blessed in my life. Never done drugs. Never done alcohol. Never, never smoked a cigarette in my life. Never had a drink of alcohol in my life. Mm-hmm. And that's just the grace of God, right? And, and because of just the way I was raised, right. Uh, part of it is that uh, somebody asked me this the other day. He says, you've never smoked? I said, I grew up in tobacco country. My family <laughs> raised tobacco. There ain't no way I'm putting that right. stuff in my body. Okay. Right. <laughs> That's just, you know, learn that from the practical sense. Right. But uh, I've I've seen young people. Matter of fact, I was in a store, I think it was today. And I'm standing there with a young man standing in front of me. He's, he's young, and I'm I, I don't know whether he – I'm sure they asked him for an ID, so he was old enough to, to purchase mm-hmm. the cigarettes. And I said to myself, I'm just thinking, I said, I wonder how much I'd have to offer him. And how much money could I give you, young man, for you never to smoke that again? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he turned around and probably said, you're a stupid old man. <laughs> and I said, yeah, but this stupid old man knows a lot of people who've died from lung cancer. Yeah. As a matter of fact – uh, growing up back in Kentucky, there was three of us. Mm-hmm. Young, we were all in first grade together. Now we're talking about rural Kentucky. Mm-hmm. One hundred twenty-three students in the whole school, first grade to eighth grade. Okay, wow, okay, all right. Me and my two friends. I won't give their names. Mm-hmm. One of us started smoking mm-hmm. when we were in uh, elementary school. Mm-hmm. Guess which one's dead? Wow. So that's 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 what that's that speaks to me, right? And and uh, I said, uh, I just said, if only I could have shook him <laughs> back right. when he started that, yeah. and say, this is going to kill you, yeah. okay? If if a young person is doing these drugs, mm-hmm. it's going to kill them early. They're going to mm-hmm. die early as a result of it. Mm-hmm. Alcohol the same way, mm-hmm. okay? You and I, we can see that. We can see where this is going. Yeah. But they don't see it. No. And it, it's scripture too. They're blind. Yeah. You know, it, 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 yeah. it is a lack of, it's a lack of, vis- a lack of vision. Um, but it also takes, like, I go back to that caring adult. Right. right. There you go. Because it's, it, it really is. I learned that my spiritual gift is the gift of exhortation. Yeah. That comes with the responsibility, right? That, just because I know where you're going, right? Just because I could see where you're supposed to be going, you still have a choice. Yeah, right. And, and it's so easy for them just to see just 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 just, a, just another peop, person per- preaching at me. And that's why the approach. Yeah, the I'm approach. Hearing you. I'm hearing you. Yeah, has to be different. Yeah, it, yeah. It has, it, and that's go back to. It's two two moments in my life that the approach changed uh. my life. When Josh presented God to me, his approach changed uh. the way that I could receive it. Right. When my mother-in-law, then just my girlfriend's mom, demanded me, challenged me to go to church, her approach was different. She saw that I didn't need, I didn't need someone to... Um, Ask me to go to church. She said to me, uh, when I first met her, I'm at, at her house, and she says, so what brought you to Tallahassee? Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, kind of trying new things, completely lying, just saying anything <laughs> that could be the shortest thing right, to right. say. And I said, just trying new things. And she goes, huh, you're trying new things. Do you go to church? 
And I was like, no, nah, I don't, I don't do church. She goes, well, since you're trying new things, you should come to church with us, church with us on Sunday. I like that. And I'm standing there like, you can't really she, say no. She didn't she ask just stripped you. you up on your own words. That's it. Like, what do you say to that? And so sure enough, I said, okay, sure. I'll, I'll go to church. I was still living in my, out of my car. Uh-huh. Right. And wow. I had clothes in my trunk. And so again, from Saginaw, Michigan, I could dress. I knew how to dress well. I like to present myself. My dad sold suits, uh-huh. right? So I, clearly I knew how to dress. So I was embarrassed to be wrinkled. I was pulling clothes out of my trunk. And when my wife, got, girlfriend then, got to me to pick me up to go to church, I used to park in Josh's parking lot. <laughs> so I would sleep. like there, When I would come late, like really late, I wouldn't even go in there. I'd just yeah. sleep in the car, right? But she came and got me. And I was... I'm not going. I'm not going. Uh-huh. And she's like, well, you have to. And I'm like, no, I'm wrinkled. We're going to go to your church, your home church, where your parents are, and everybody that knows you. I'm not going to embarrass myself or you. I'm not going. True story, pastor. She says, if you don't go, we can't be together. Uh-oh. <laughs> because her parents right. were exp- like, what is she going to say to me? Yeah, right. Right. And so I'm in the car and I'm just as mad and I had a little, little bottle, a little, you know, and I take a drink uh-huh. before I get there. And I said this as we got to the church and we walked in, I said out loud, I said, God, if you're real, this is it. I ain't never coming back here again. I said that out loud <laughs> as we were walking in right. and God changed my life. Wow. I'm not kidding. My testimony, if I should, when I got saved, like for real, like that day, I walked into church, I said that. Pastor D. Jerome, Prophet D. Jerome Garrett was worshiping. He's a, I mean, I've never really heard a male sing like Uh that. And he was singing. And I mean, my biggest fear was that they were going to do the greeting and say, you stand up and introduce yourself. Uh-huh. And I'm from an old Southern Baptist church where they, <laughs> my name is such and such, and I bring greetings from pastor this, and you have to say this whole thing. And I was so nervous that I was going to have to say this. So I'm sitting there, and this man stops singing in the middle of this song, and he comes out and he says, you and you. And he pointed at me, and it was another guy. And I'm looking I'm looking around like, who is he talking to? And he says, you. And he says, come up here. (laughs) I'm not kidding, Pastor. He says, come up here. And at this point, I'm mad because I'm thinking, my wife, my girl, she set me up. (laughs) Right? She told them to call me. And I'm, I'm walking up and it's another young man who's walking up. He had jean shorts on, right? And he says, he goes, turn around. And he says, this is what my future looks like. This is what he says. Uh He says, this is what my future looks like. Thus says the word of the Lord. And then he turns around and he says, put your hands up. And I have no idea what's going on. And so I go to put my hands up and he put his hand on my chest. And he said to me, how did you get here? And in that I hadn't cried for about a year and a half since my father and I got in a fist fight. Uh-huh. I hadn't cried a tear in over a year at this point. And when he said that, because I was so upset about how I was thinking that exact thought. How did I get here right. pulling tr- clothes out of my trunk <laughs> before I have to like how, that was in my brain? How did I get here? And when he said that to me, I knew that it was different. That was he wasn't saying that to me. And so. That was the question that has been toiling my head that whole morning, the whole drive to Havana, the whole time. How did you get here, Kevin? How did you get here? And so when he said that, I almost started, the tears welled up in my eyes. And I tried to close my eyes so I wouldn't cry. And when I opened my eyes, I was outside of myself, looking at myself crying with my hands up in the air. Wow. Right? And I heard a voice just as we're talking right now. You're not supposed to be here. And that me started to like, because that's the whole thing. The whole drive, I was like, I'm not supposed to be here. 
Like, how did I get? I'm not. I'm not supposed to be pulling trunk clothes out of my trunk. <laughs> this is not supposed to be my life. This is not who I am. And when I heard that said, it was confirmation. This is you're not supposed to be here. And so that whoever that was, I, my spirit man or whatever, started to cry. So I tried to close those tears too, and I closed my eyes. And when I opened my eyes, scared to open my eyes again because I was kind of freaked out. I was back inside of myself crying and I was listening to this man. He said the the next thing that I heard him say was you're a scholar, which you are. And it, and it, I remember I turned around and I was boohoo crying and I ran out of the church. I didn't go to my wife's to the seat. I left the church. I went into my wife's car and I boohoo cried. (laughs) She came out to check on me and I just said to her, I need your phone. I called my mom. And it was June 11, 2007 is when this happened. And I called my mom and I told her I met God. I was boo-hoo crying. And I said that to her. She was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? (laughs) I was like, I met God. And it was from that moment on, like I said, I hadn't cried for a year. Praise the Lord. I would ask my wife, I'm like, are we going to church? Because that was the (laughs) only place that I could cry. And I would go to church to cry for about seven weeks I went to church and I just boohoo wow. cried. Well, God got out of your heart. Oh man, and it yeah. changed from yeah. that moment on. Yeah. It was just real to me. But see, here's the thing about it: is it this ministry that you're involved in now? Because you're not you're not hiding the fact that hey, we, we, this is a Christian organization, and you would hope and pray that these young men would have this type of experience. Yeah. But your love is going to be the one that's going to help God guide them to that. And we know ultimately this is this is the this is a cure. This is a cure for everybody. But it takes a while to get there. And there's a process. We have to love them to that. So, uh, the uh, group called the Old Past because it has a song says we have to love them to Jesus. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's really what you're offering here. Yeah. With all the all the programs yeah. and stuff. The, the 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 bottom line is that, hey young man, young lady, we love you. You don't love yourself right now. But we're going to see if we can get you to the point to where it's so amazing. He said that because our acronym we are called it's the life center is our actual building name. Right. So it's the life center when you see it. And life is the acronym for love, identity, foundation and encouragement. And so that's that's our whole curriculum. Now. We've got a minute 36, yeah. and we've got to pray before we leave. So just so, tell them about the ministry. Tell who you are, what you do, real quick. We just love people. Okay. We connect We connect people to the resources. That How would they reach you? Uh, www.weareallweneed.org. We are doing free mental health assessments and there are services for the month of May because it is Mental Health Awareness Month. So for the month of May, if you go to that website, you'll see right on the top, free mental health services, 13 to 23. We're paying for it. Say it we're again. Say the name of that website again. www.weareallweneed.org. Okay, and if you can't find it through that, call me, 567-1703. I'll get you hooked up. Thank you, Pastor. Father God, thank you, Lord for this glorious day and for this ministry. Lord God, bless them. Lord God, let your spirit be upon them, Lord. Yes, God. Lord, just allow this heart that Kevin has for these young people just to reach out and minister. And Lord God, lives would be changed. Father, we give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. Father, we do pray for America. We pray, God, for our country. We pray for your kingdom, oh God. We pray for our pastors today. They go to their pulpits. And Father, we pray for peace around the world and the streets of Jerusalem, the nation of Israel. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Until next Sunday morning, may the Lord bless you.